This episode is brought to you by HBO. Hello, first of all, fam. I have a really fun, exciting announcement before we head into this week's episode. So, the finalists for the 2020 HBO APA Visionary Short Film Competition have been announced. I'm so excited because I actually had the honor of being on the judging panel this year. HBO Visionaries will be celebrating its fourth class of emerging Asian and Pacific Islander American filmmakers on Friday, September 25th during the virtual Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. Shout out to Visual Communications. I love you. So tune in at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Friday, September 25th via www.hbovisionaries.com to meet this year's visionaries, watch the films, and see some familiar faces. Like me, maybe. Find more information about the program and official rules on the website, and keep an eye out for the opening of submissions for the 2021 competition and the opportunity to have your short film considered for HBO and HBO Max. So get on it, fledgling filmmakers. I believe in you. I might be joining you. Let's do this. Again, it's www.hbovisionaries.com. All three Visionary 2020 shorts will also be available to stream on HBO Max on Tuesday, September 29th. So mark your calendars. I'll see you there. And now, on to the episode. Love you. You're listening to... Whoa! Potluck. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, sane, healthy, um, taking care of yourself and each other. And I'm really excited to present this week's episode. This was a really good conversation. But before we jump into that, I really... Maybe not quickly, but I, I really wanted to take a moment to commemorate and wish all the best for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to rest in peace. It has been a sad moment. Um, there's enough craziness happening in the world, and we all know that this year has been very intense and relentless in its uh challenges to overcome but Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing our beloved Supreme Court justice who held it down and literally changed the entire world um yeah it's it was a tough one to digest and to process still processing it I wasn't uh expecting to be so saddened and so moved she's a hero of mine no doubt. I have so much respect for her, so much appreciation. But I wasn't expecting to be... I was crying. I was just... I was pretty devastated. And so um, I just wanted to commemorate her on first of all because recognizing her work, understanding the gravity of it, understanding the breadth of it, how many years and how many different ways her her brain and her emotion, her EQ, you know, her wisdom really impacted all of us, all of us women and therefore everyone, um, but especially women, how much I wouldn't have a podcast without her. I wouldn't have a career that I have. I wouldn't have this home the way that I wouldn't have a bank account. You guys, like, it's just, it's so awe-inspiring. It's, 
in its own way infuriating, but it's really, when I think of her, I just have so much gratitude. And when we think of how interconnected we are as a humanity, as a human race, if you are empowering and sustaining women, you're empowering and sustaining the world. And I also thought about it from a global level because the United States of America is getting our butts handed to us in a very big serving of humble pie, which I think is good and healthy and necessary. Um, but also to recognize, you know, the pros of America and the way that we have played a significant role in the global conversation, in the global economy, um, as a leader, as a thought leader, as a safe haven of sorts for in some ways, you know, and, um, she changes the world because she changed America. And it blows my mind because she's just one itty bitty, wonderful, resilient, determined, smart, gracious, loving human being. And she was brave and she was courageous and she did that in one lifetime. Blows my mind. And it humbles me and it makes me grateful and also just really gain more perspective on like what we're able to do and what I see in others and what I want to encourage in others because yeah she was one person and there was a whole army of people behind her that also supported her and even that's beautiful too so anyway I just really wanted to send Ruth my love and all of those who are mourning her loss my love because it is real and we are carrying on her legacy we're carrying on her work and her movement that she created so quietly in her chambers, doing the work day after freaking day. Um, and if you guys haven't watched her documentary, I highly recommend it, watching RBG. Super educational, super inspiring, very moving. And um, the spiritual part of me that is still wondering about, you know, afterlife and all that. I, I want to believe that she's with her Marty again, with her husband. Because they're just... One of the most beautiful couples I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so, yeah. Rest in peace, RBG. We will keep your work alive. Keep your memory alive. Keep your fire alive. And yeah. So the work continues. I also hope that everybody has filled out their census, if you're in the United States, and are registered to vote. This is a freaking important year. I hope you listened to the last episode with Sam Hyun about how your voice counts. I mean, I that went public the day that RBG died. It was a lot. There was a lot to process. But regardless, we have work to do. Let's take space for ourselves, but also channel that energy into something that will help ourselves and help others around us because stakes are high. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. And with that, I want to get into this podcast episode with Dan Matthews. My dude, Dan, a.k.a. Dan. Um, I've known Dan for several years now. He is an amazing creative producer and he's an alternative rap artist. And yeah, I got introduced to Dan through the Asian American community. I've watched him blossom and grow and change and evolve as a person, as an artist. And it's really, it's really crazy just what he has gone through in life, what he thinks about and what he shares in his music and the effort and the heart that he has for the Asian American community and for um, our representation. 
He has an incredibly inspiring background as well. I hope you'll check out his docuseries. We'll talk about it in this episode. But um, this one is about friendship. Dan is my friend. But also, not but also, Dan is my friend. And also, our understanding and definitions of friendship have changed over the years. We have questioned our friendship too. Um, And same as me questioning and analyzing and assessing all my friendships with everybody. So now that Dan and I are in our 30s and like ruminating all the time and taking our our quarantine moments to really evaluate what's important and how we want to proceed from here on out, thought it'd be good to share that with all of you. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that it plants good seeds, has you, has you, has you asking good questions. Um, to just honor your relationships because friendships can be confusing. You know, they're complicated. It can be simple and complicated, all of it at the same time. But I hope that you enjoy this episode. Are we even really friends with Dan Matthews? Hello, Daniel. What's up, Minji? How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> are you hanging in there? <laughs> yeah, I am. This is a good start to the podcast that we have just started right now. Absolutely, just totally started the conversation at this exact moment. Yes. There's nothing preceding this at all. Oh, man. Okay, wait. So we need to backtrack because I need a time check. We we did a social distance hangout. Totally like outing myself right now. But that was how long ago? Was that like a week ago? No, it was about three weeks ago. I think it was three weeks ago. And then before that, we had like met up for about a year and a half. Uh a year and a half ago for, for something intentional uh, for something intentional like i would see you at events and mm-hmm. we would see each other at stuff but an intentional hangout hasn't happened for about a year and a half since three weeks ago which is a really really long amount of time it might have been even longer I, than a year and a half because we usually do it once in december and then this last one happened in july or like end of end of july early early august so that's like even more than a year and a half do you credit that to like us being busy hustlers who are in our thirties kind of thing, who also live in LA where like nobody sees each other for anything unless it's like at an event or is it like, I don't know. We're, we're ta- we had a long talk about friendships and I want to talk to you about that because I still have a lot to unpack. Um, why, why do you yeah. think that is? Why do we see each other and hang out? Cause I consider you a friend, Dan, just FYI. Why do you think that it takes us a year and a half to hang out? Thanks, Meiji. I think it largely has to do with the fact that we are in our 30s and we're hustling and we're out there trying to do important stuff that we feel like that we need to get done. And I think mm-hmm. that a big portion of it is we are, I guess to be candid with you, yeah, we're, we're friends and we've known each other for a really long time. But mm-hmm. uh, I would, I think that you have closer friends uh, or people that like you need that you generally see more on like a daily or like maybe you'll see on like a weekly basis. Like you and you and Nikki right. are closer than me and you are. And so I'm sure that you see Nikki mm-hmm. more often than you see me. Uh, and and so I think that like we're at a level in our friendship where and a lot of people, I think, in their their 30s are where they've got the really close set of people that they need to see a lot more often. And they've got people that are 
I don't see like I go a year before I'll see like a family member, but they're still family to me. And there's still important people right. that like I want to like keep in my life. And so I would consider you to be it, like, it's kind of like that. It's not like they're going to go away or anything. It's not like I'm not going to want to see them or they're not somebody that I want to keep in my life. Cause I do think that you're somebody that I want to keep in my life. But I oh. think that we both understand like where we're coming from and that we're again, just to be frank, we're not like close enough that like I need to see you like every single week. Right. That's so have, interesting. And, and, I think and then we've, we've gotten old enough that I don't know if, we're at that level. We, I guess we can just, we can start like just digging deep into our friendship and what that means. <laughs> I'm totally but, down. Actually, this is really what, fascinating. That, that's what adult friendships are though. I, I agree. And I, it's really funny because I've had different people actually ask me about that when I, back in the day. So I apologize to anybody who's listened. Cause I know that there have been people who asked me specifically to converse and like discuss adult friendships. Um, because I think it is something that is really relevant, no matter how old you are, right? Like having friends and having a support system is very vital. And you and I know, I mean, we're well in our 30s. So it's like, we've been through enough versions of ourselves to know that relationships change. But depending on where you are and who you've kicked it with, or like how you've qualified those friendships, I think there's always room for more discussion on it. Like I personally don't hear about it too often, but maybe we're just reaching that point in our age. <laughs> like, let's unpack friendships because yeah, I think yeah. it is really important. Yeah, no, totally. I think that it, I haven't really broken it down like this before, but I would say that if you were to break it down, that there's like probably four levels of friendship. There's okay. the people, the people that like you that are that are newer and that like maybe I'm meeting within this last year. And the people that I'm like, oh, I want to hang out with them again. And that, but I don't, I don't need to, and I'll, I'll do like a catch up with them, but you don't need to like, I don't know how deep in my relationship I'm going to get with them. They're like the auxiliary friends, but there's still people and maybe they're going to come and go, but there's still people that I would consider yeah. friends that I want to like, I'd, I'd be interested in seeing. And then you've got the next level of it, which are people that are friends in your life where you've known them for maybe you've, you've known or heard of them for like five years. You see, see each other at different things. And, uh, maybe you see, maybe you see them like every so often, but you'd still consider them to be a friend. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Like I'll just, I'll just hit it on the nose right now that like, there's probably a lot of collaboration friends or people that I've met through the Asian American scene or like my cam friends yeah. or like my LA Asian film festival friends where like, I've known them for a while. Like, like Marvin, like I will just use Mar. We're just, I'm trying to talk about Marvin because Marvin's going to listen to this anyway. I consider Marvin Marvin's to be a totally going to be listening to this. I consider, mm -hmm. I consider Marvin a friend. Uh, we've done Korean barbecue together. I really enjoy getting together <laughs> with them. But like, I haven't seen Marvin. The hallmark like, of a friendship is like, have you had barbecue together? Yeah, but I haven't seen Marvin in like two years. Like, 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 a, like a conversation like this. You know what I mean? And so right. and I, I don't have any. I, I also don't have any intention of like not wanting to be like, I've got no reason not to want to like be in his life though. So uh, I think that like, there's that friendship. Then there's the friends that I would make maybe a more active, like I need to see this person like at least once a year. I think that maybe you're probably one of those people. I think that like mm -hmm. there, there's other people that, uh, that I would say I need to see that person like at least once a year to catch up and just see how they're, they're doing. Like I would consider myself be closer friends with you than, uh, than somebody else. And then there's your closer friends, the ones that you see more, more frequently. 
And then no, maybe then maybe a fifth le- level of that are like your high school friends <laughs> and the people that are like more family. And that family that that would be different than uh, I've known you for a while, but like I there's like high school friends that I've got. I just saw a friend of mine that I've known since since high school, like junior high, and I see him not that often. But he's like mm-hmm. an extremely close person because we've gone through a lot of stuff together. Right. But I don't anticipate that he's going to be somebody that I need to go see like once a month. Five levels of friendship. That's so interesting. I re- we just solved it. There I love these five levels of friendship. We're going to draw a diagram or we're going to supplement this podcast with a with an image we can share on Instagram of the diagram yes. of the five levels of friendship, according to Dan Matthews. I love it. That's so interesting because I've never, I feel like I've, semi-categorize people like I I can gauge how close or not close somebody is if you mention xyz person to me but I have not gone so far as to have a structured categorization process so thank you for that Dan um and I'm glad to know I'm tier three you know that's probably not like a healthy way to do stuff either it just I don't don't think it's not healthy but I don't know for me it's good to it's just fun to not it's fun and it's it, it it helps me categorize. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't. I wouldn't. I would not. I will. I will. As your friend, as your tier three friend, I will say I don't think that that's <laughs> necessary. And I think it's really interesting how we will prescribe like qualifications for things. Like even saying like, oh, I'm categorizing people. That's bad or good. It's just a way that we're processing data. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it is what it is. And if it helps you get an understanding of yourself and how you frame yourself in relationship to your friends, all the power to you. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think it actually clarifies a lot of how you want to kind of prioritize your energy. And that, interestingly, is where I think it's so funny with these this feeling of closeness or this feeling of like loyalty or like, are we friends, right? Because there's multiple parties in this situation. And even though you might qualify somebody as a tier one friend, but they consider you tier three, right? Let's just go with your framework. I'm just going with it. Like that can cause friction and that can cause loneliness and that can cause like a disconnect and like all these different positive or negative feelings, right? Which you and I have like, we're both artists, we're of the creative, you know, backgrounds. And I think that's where there's a lot to like dig through. And I think personally for me, it's been really interesting during COVID to bring it to the present moment, how I have spent my time, who I've reached out to, Mm -hmm. um, who I've reconnected with, who I've been really happy to hear from, who I've been kind of like, I don't really want to talk to you. Like all of these, I I just feel like for me, I'm really hypersensitive during this very dramatic moment in in history. Um, It's just been really eye-opening for me. I don't know about you, but it's been really, really eye-opening for me to like interact with different people and just become a lot more aware of what they mean to me or how close I feel to them. Yeah, I think that's been a common theme with a lot of people is for a good majority of people that I've been talking to, they've said something similar where they've really discovered who it is that they want to still be in touch with. And they've gotten closer with those people. And then there's some surprise people. They're like, Oh, I've never hung out with this person before, but now I've seen them like a lot more than I've seen them pre COVID. And then finally there's people that that they're, they thought they were friends with, but then they realized that through COVID that they actually aren't friends. And so right. I think that, yeah, COVID's really put a lot more structure around some of those relationships because we really do have, it's kind of a weird thing, but we really do have this situation where you do need to be 
really careful with the people that you hang out with. And there's extra layers of like, oh, can I be safe around that person? And that if you commit to hanging out with a certain person or a certain group of people, that ends up being kind of the person or the group of people that you hang out with for the rest of COVID because you're like, oh, well, this (laughs) this is my bubble now. I can't get outside of my bubble or else I have the possibility of infecting my bubble. And so you kind of take a lot more care over the people that you are hanging out with because you don't want to be unsafe with them, which which is I think adds like another dynamic as well as kind of like a cool uh, extra layer of, oh, I want to, I'm, I'm taking care of you by not hanging out with other people. Right. That's the <laughs> funny thing that I've, I've even, that came up even the like dating stuff, but like we can, that, and we can get dramatic. to that, but yeah, for sure. The stakes are a little bit different, but it's kind of just, again, yeah, like the awareness and that sensitivity of like not only caring for yourself, but also like caring for others, protecting other people's safety. And also for me is just, a really conscious distribution of my energy, if you will. Um, because you and I are catching up. Like I, I was going through a hell of a winter, like going through a breakup and figuring out how to recuperate from that and figure out my next steps and like heal. Right. And then on top of that, that breakup like brought up a whole mess of like lifelong childhood traumas and all these other things that I was like navigating through that, that in and of itself was like a lot. So I think naturally I was already really, really careful and mindful. Like I can't be around too many people and, or if they bring my vibe down in any way, if they're not supportive or if they're overly critical or if like in general, like I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate it. Right. Like my tolerance already had been low to begin with, um, because I was in such a fragile state, but then through COVID, like, I just, I just, it's so mentally taxing, you know, it's emotionally mentally taxing of like, so when's this pandemic going to end? Yeah. Now we have like riots and protests in the street because like all this racism that we've known has existed for so long. And the social injustice is like now exacerbated in the in the presence of like the whole world's on fire. We can't be near each other, but we need to protest this because if we don't protest this, the white supremacists win. Like, what do we do? Da, da, da. And like and we're just getting kind of hit after hit of all these different stimuli of like, hey, boom, like. Now deal with this. Boom. Deal with this. So we're more, I think, reliant on friendships and support systems, but then so much more careful. It's a weird balance, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Stakes are so high. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a very strange balance. And the energy thing is definitely something that I think about all the time. There's sometimes when I'm like really low energy, but I know that I need to go be around people because if I don't, it's just a missed opportunity because I know that those opportunities aren't there that much anymore as is. And, mm. uh, and so I, I definitely feel you on the, uh, the energy side that even if I'm feeling down, sometimes I feel like I need to go be around people because maybe, maybe that's my energy boost for <clears throat> the, the upcoming week. Um, and then with the, yeah, and it's really also been a time when usually I'll be on an email chain with somebody or maybe I'll be like texting with somebody. And then my initial thing will be like, oh, let's catch up sometime soon. Or, or let's, uh, let's hang out sometime soon. And mm-hmm. I found myself, even when I'm texting somebody just about like an upcoming thing, or I'm like, oh, I need to message this person about something. My, my gut is always like, oh, I should like, oh, we should hang out. But now my gut is, all right, well, I guess I'll see you around sometime. <laughs> it's a... <I've, laughs> I, I, I purposely don't don't say let's hang out because part of it is I only have so much energy 
And I want to yeah. keep that for things that I need to keep it for. And then secondly, it's that I'm not really friends with this person. I guess I don't need to like, why, why do I need to like spend time hanging out with them? And that does seem mm. kind of, it's, it seems kind of rude, but like, I'm just articulating what everybody else is thinking. <laughs> no, you are. And I appreciate this. Dan, you're on first of all. Okay. We keeps it real here. Cause that's, I mean, that's, I feel like the only thing that's really going to help anybody is being honest. Right. And, and I, I have, it's been a rare thing. Cause again, I had to learn that in like the dating scene of like how to navigate rejection or just kind of acknowledging like, okay, it's not going to go past this, right? Like putting a boundary essentially, but in a friend situation, it is, it is different because there's a different color and like layer to it because you don't think there's anything wrong with them. And they're a friend. There's like non-committal really. It's non-threatening. But now with this whole like energy depletion part, and I also think that it applies in a non-COVID situation, a hundred percent, like maybe just not in as stressful as a manner, but like, how do you, have you ever had to reject quote unquote a friend? Like, have you ever had to like say the words outright? Like, I like that workaround that you're like, okay, we'll take care and I'll see you around. Right. You're not, you're not making a, I don't know if you ever watch friends, but there's like an episode where Chandler, Chandler Bing, like he doesn't know how to break up with the chick. So he yeah, keeps saying like, yeah, okay, well that was great. Let's do it again. Sometime. Yeah. That's uh, my, my mind actually, it's like that name that plays out in my head after every conversation uh-huh. that I like, that's, 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 <laughs> That's that's basically me in a nutshell. Is that that specific like is scene it? from Friends? Yeah, I play that that scene out from my in my head after I'm done with every single conversation. <laughs> I'm learning so much about you. That's hilarious. I could actually totally see you doing that. Yeah, it's awkward though. Like, what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah, have a good life. <laughs> and it just it's I, I think it's maybe gotten easier though with COVID, just because there's the mm-hmm. added layer that of course nobody else is meeting up like why would i even suggest like wanting to even try to meet up and so i think that that right. actually adds a level of protection when you don't want to say yes, yes. to something and then uh, the other thing yeah. <clears throat> the other thing is that i oh shoot what was i gonna say i had another thing but uh uh well i i i've been working on my my comedy routine and one of, nice. one, I love it. One of the jokes or one of the things that I have been trying to like play out or seeing how I can turn it into a joke is, um, you know how like people say that COVID's like the perfect excuse if you don't want to do something like, oh, like I don't want to, I can't go out and hang out with you. I, I'm afraid of COVID or like, oh no, I want to be safe. I was around people so I can't hang out. <laughs> and so that's like the natural excuse. So everybody has like a, a reason not to want to go hang out. Uh, I wanted to like- yes. S- turn that joke on its like that saying on its head, but it to be about like, Oh, um, I don't want to go hang out with you, but it's because I, I hate you or I don't, I don't want, like, I, I don't like you anyway. And like COVID, <laughs> um, but they, they think it's about well, COVID. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not you, it's COVID. Yeah. That's, that's the bit. It's not you. It's COVID for yeah. sure. You're great. And I would 100, if we did not have this life threatening virus i would so hang out with you we would do all the things but i'm so sorry i just can't and that's always nice to have an out and everybody always has an out they're like my dog is sick or i'm like right grandma i need to visit my grandma like there's always lies and it you know some uh, i don't know i'm not like promoting lying but and also you know, people I, I wanna be nice. <laughs> yeah and I, I just cannot stand the side of you so this will not be happening again 
Uh, have you ever, like, can, did you ever tell somebody honestly that like you just didn't want to hang out with them? No, I don't think I've ever done that. I, I don't think Got that, it. yeah, even as much as I think I've gotten a lot more honest and I don't think that there's a reason to be that upfront because that's, that's, I think that's, that's just, that's just kind of mean where you're just like, I don't yeah. want to hang out with you. I think you can have reasons to not want to see somebody. Uh, but you can mm-hmm. say it in a, a nicer way. So even if COVID, was, sure. yeah, even if COVID was preventing me from not wanting to see somebody, and it was a good reason not to hang out with somebody, I would just be like, I'm not like I I don't have the the need to see you. Okay, because this is where I think we can dive a little deeper. Because when it comes to this whole friendship thing, right? It's a non romantic. It's a platonic. Um, you know, I think you're cool. I want to spend time with you. And there's room in that dynamic for one party to not be on the same page, right? It's great if you are, that's easy, then yay, friends, right? But I also think that when you're in a friendship, like there are ways that you can drift or like, you know, you started out like as really cool homies or things just shift, right? This is the part that I like, well, one of the the scenarios that somebody brought up um, when I was asking for like different topics to talk about on my podcast, they were talking about like, how do you handle when, you know, you drift apart from like your college friends? Cause that's mm-hmm. a real thing. You know, there are listeners and it doesn't even have to be like right after college. It could be like, Hey, we were friends like all throughout our twenties and then just like 30 hit and bam, like we just don't vibe anymore. Right. There is that for real friends, like people that are in your tiers of friends, like how have, how have you dealt? Like, have you dealt with that? Has it been like you're basically kind of ghosting each other, just drifting? Because that's a real thing where it's just something that used to be really strong and maybe feel unbreakable or feel like it was like friends forever. Let's get the matching necklaces or like matching tattoos or whatever it is, right? Like friendship bracelets. You can go from that to being like, hey, man, how's the last five years been? You know, and feelings get hurt there. Because who knows if if it was voluntary for both people. Most likely, it's probably just, like, one more than the other. I don't know. I'm, like, putting a lot of scenarios out there. But have you, like, did you have weird moments? Because I've definitely friend group hopped. So I don't know how that's gone for you. Because you said that you have, like, your high school friends and, like, you know. You were, like, you're in San Diego, right? Yeah. No, with, that's With a, all your peeps. I, I think about that stuff a lot. I don't have, I've got one friend that I still stay in touch with from high school and uh-huh. he's like my, my lifelong friend. Um, and I hope that, but I don't, I don't really talk to anybody else in high school. There's people that I would, I would be happy to see, but I don't think that either of us would really go out of the way to continue to be in one another's lives at, the, at this point with my college friends. I, I think that I also come from a more on my own personal psyche is that like I, I friend group hopped a lot when I was in junior high and high school. And a big reason mm-hmm. I did that was because I was afraid that people aren't going to like me and that they can only mm-hmm. stand being around me so much time. And so I limited my time with that specific person or that group of people. So that way they only got the best parts of me and that they wouldn't have reasons to like get annoyed at me. And so I, I would purposely do that just to like, uh, I, I think protect myself and to save face and all of that other stuff. So I did that from a young age, which is something that stayed with me 
actually up through college. And so up through college, I had actually never really, I had, I had like a, a group of friends in high school. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. it just, I never really, I think maybe with one or two exceptions, I never really got super, super close where I could, I could feel um, at that, that level. And then my, my college friends, there were different moments in our lives where I felt closer to one person or another. And I'm still really close friends with my college friends, which is weird. Cause when you say close friends, like I couldn't, I honestly, I don't know what their values are. I like, I actually have no idea like where they're currently at and like how they feel about stuff. But to me, hopefully they're lifelong friends and there's a lot of stuff. It just comes down to experiences and what you've personally experienced with one another. And there's some like crazy stuff that we went through that we, that was traumatic and fun and exciting and, and boring and strange all at one time. And those are things that you can only mm-hmm. really have at certain periods in your life. Cause after college right. and then like right now, again, you, like you said, you and I are on our, on our hustle mode. And so while we're in our hustle mode, I, I don't have a lot of time to be building those experiences with other people uh, or I'm, I'm super, super, super selective. Whereas in, I think we were lucky enough to be in college one and then lucky enough to be able to build whatever friendships we were. So it just comes down to shared experiences. And then if you've got these shared experiences, then you'll be have certain layers of friendship uh, with, with different people in your lives. That's Dan, I am, you have spoken, you've dropped some really good <laughs> truth bombs and th- and I really appreciate you being open about that aspect of yourself of like, just being fear of having fear of rejection, because as much as like, I 1000% feel you. And that is like, I don't know. I don't want to like paint everybody's picture for them, but I think it's a pretty common feeling for every human to feel that, that like wanting to fit in, wanting to be liked, um, and, and being feared, uh, fearing rejection and fearing not being good enough or not being wanted. So then you like, you do all sorts of funny things to like protect yourself. Um, and I definitely have my versions of that. I personally have like carried that into adulthood, to be honest. And I think not in an entirely conscious way, but I definitely did that even in my 20s, kind of in my 30s, like way less, but still honestly into adulthood. Now I'm just like sitting here reevaluating all these, all these, uh, all these different groups of friends that I kind of plowed my way through. Yeah. Cause I really look back on it and it was like super early on. I wanted to have like the group, you know, I wanted to have my crew and I wanted to belong. Sometimes I wanted to be like Regina George, kind of like I wanted to be the, the head honcho and I wanted to, it was just like, just, we got ultra deep here, but it's like, I just wanted to matter. You know, I wanted significance. I wanted to like kind of be irreplaceable, but I wonder like what part of that was just pure insecurity because of all the stuff that I, again, went through with like my family and my dad and all that stuff. But I also moved a lot. So I don't know how like you're, how consistent and like, we also haven't even touched upon like your background and like, we're just assuming everybody who's listening to this knows Dan Matthews. So we're, we're going to get to know you. This is like a little reverse engineering, but like how you grew up and how you self-identified yourself um, amongst your peers, that plays a huge role in terms of like the relationships you're able to build, you know? And I, I've perpetually felt like the new kid. So I always had to like prove myself. I don't know about you, but yeah. I move quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I, that, that has a lot to do with, I think, how people's upbringing are and how you feel about yourself. Um, I was lucky. 
that I didn't I didn't have to move a lot. I, I stayed in one city. I was raised in Southern California <clears throat> and uh, was mainly in one city. The, no, I was in one city my entire time. And then even when I mm-hmm. went off to college, my college was in Southern California. So the high school friends friend that I still am in touch with, he went to school in California, too. So we were able to Got it. still kind of be in similar, similar areas. And then even the college friends that I had, they were mainly from California. And so I was able to stay in touch with them. And that even if they were to maybe move to another, move back to the East Coast or like move back home after college, they were still in California. So I, I think there were a lot of very specific situations that enabled me to stay friends with a lot of these people. But mm-hmm. my whole, I've been thinking a lot about it especially recently. And I had, I've had some like really good conversations with other people where I've dictated these feelings that I'm, I'm a hundred percent at a place right now in my life where I'm not, I'm not no new friends. I know you know that, that, that saying, and I think that a lot of us that are older now, we're all about like no new friends. I just want to like be, I just want to be closer with the friends that I've currently got. I want to build better relationships with those people. But even those friends, mm-hmm. as we think about our romantic relationships too, that there's no there's no perfect person for you. You're going to find like people that you want to be friends with and as long as and you and you meet each other at a time where it it enables you to collectively be friends and you're able to go through some experiences and that you're going to grow in different ways and hopefully as you guys are growing that you can grow together. You're going to grow apart, but you need to dictate and communicate when somebody's doing something that you don't like, if it's worth it for you to stay in touch with them. And I don't anticipate myself meeting people that I'm going to have very close relationships with moving forward, except if, it's, if it was going to be a romantic relationship. And so the people that I'm currently friends with, I just want to be better friends with them. We're, we're not like a, uh, I would have never dreamed in a million years that I would know the people that I currently know uh, or be friends with mm-hmm. my college friends still. But even with my college friends, it's, it's about like communicating and saying, Hey, this is something that's on my mind. We should discuss it. And then, and then ideally, if you guys all respect each other, you're able to grow with one another. Yeah. It's a very mature structured way to go about it. This is my, my emotional side of like, I just have all these feelings. I feel devastated. I feel lonely. I don't know what to do with it. And maybe that's, I'm in this phase of my life. I think I've done pretty well, but, and I've survived well, but sometimes when I, thank you. But when I look back on how I've handled certain relationships, I feel it was very ad hoc. Like I just didn't have like, okay, this is a good way to approach all relationships. Like take time, process it, check in with yourself, check in with them. Like for the most part, I ran away from confrontation a lot. There are certain points, like if people meant a lot to me, of course I would like deal with it up front. But that's also kind of like signature of this friend hopping situation Sometimes I would just phase myself out. Again, this behavior that like you're saying that you did in like middle school and high school. I I did this in adulthood too, where I just like, okay, I'm just gonna phase out. Like I don't I don't feel like this is really working out, or I don't feel like that inspired. So now I've been actually in reflecting and like how many friends have I unintentionally hurt by like trying to protect myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like feeling like it wasn't not necessarily like, oh, this friendship isn't worth my time, but more so like, oh, I don't know, like how much we're vibing. And then I usually just feel like, oh, I don't feel like I matter that much to this person. It won't matter if I phase out. It won't matter if I stop texting or calling or stop hanging out. Yeah. And then when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, we just like stopped talking. 
oh, we just, and for the most part, I, I really appreciate most people, vast majority of people in my life have been, we've all been very understanding and still remain supportive. We still have social media, like, you know, no, no, no hard feelings as far as I know, as far as I know, right? Like I don't, maybe there's people out there that are harboring some like, well, that bitch. Um, I don't know, but I haven't had anybody come to me and say like, Hey, you've been a really terrible friend. Like what happened? Except for like on a more subtle level, like recently, actually a few friends were just like, yeah, it sucks that we like fell out of touch, but that was kind of the extent of it. They didn't go like, Oh, you really like hurt my feelings and I feel betrayed by you. Yeah. So I don't know. I, like I think thinking it, out loud. Yeah. It's such an LA thing too. <laughs> it, I think that <laughs> pe- people that are friend groups in other parts of the country may not think the same way that we think too. I think that, well, you and I, especially with the shared experiences of the things that I believe that you've gone through, <clears throat> at least just being in Los mm-hmm. Angeles and the communities of people that you hang out with. Like, I think it's, it's, it's also kind of, pretty specific to your and I situation, but uh, that's not to say that other people aren't feeling the same way. I, I think that a lot of people deal with just, just this growing older and how do you maintain it? And all, all those, those general themes or what's at the heart of it is still there for everybody. Right. It's just like you're saying shared experiences, like the things that I go through, especially when I go back home to the Bay area, it's really that's always like a huge kick in my butt when I go home, which I don't even know if like I call LA home. Right. So that's even like its own relationship. Right. Like I used to think of LA as like, Oh, that's the place I'm going to go to, to like build my career, et cetera, et cetera. But really quickly it became home. And there are some of my Bay area friends, they would like poke fun at me. Like my, my girls, like my, a lot of my close girlfriends I've been friends with since I was like 12 Um, One of my best friends since I was nine years old, you know, like we go way, way, way back. And they're like, they all, most of them stayed in the Bay, right? So they're like home, like at least home now, you know, like when I was first calling it that. And they're, and that in and of itself kind of started, it could have created like a wedge. It could have created like a disconnect because we're just not in close proximity to each other, right? But like the lifestyle, exactly what you said, the lifestyle and the things that we care about, the things that we experience are so, so different, you know, and that only amplified over the years because vast majority of my close girlfriends are married now, you know, and they have, they have families and like, it's things like that. So even if you are like, say in the same city, but you just take a different road or your life trajectories don't line up in that way. I think those are pretty big differences, you know, where you just don't relate as much, right? Because your lifestyles are so drastically different. Yeah. Right. Like I have a lot of important things in my life, but yeah, I'm not raising another human being. And so the freedom that I have, the things that I stress about, the things that I have, the free, like, you know, I can like, really, if I felt like it this year, I can go to Coachella and it's like not a thing because I'm, (laughs) I'm single in my thirties, but my other friends, you know, they're doing gender reveal parties and they're doing, you know, like really cute stuff that I'm really like happy for them. And I've been like inadvertently comparing myself to them this whole time, but that's besides the case. But like, it's just different, different yeah. life experiences. Different. Yeah, no, I, I I totally get it. Same, similar experiences for me. Different sorts of people, a hundred percent. Yeah, I feel you. Have you ever broken up with a friend? Curious, like straight up. Like, did you have a falling out ever? No. Mainly be- no. 
Yeah, I don't think that it's been there's never been anything direct where I've had to break with break up with them or say we we shouldn't hang out. So it's never gotten to that extent. I've had tons of people mm-hmm. that I've just stopped talking to or that it just it's naturally gone its course. So there's mm-hmm. there's lots of people like that, but nobody that I've intentionally uh done that to. You what about you? Well, mine is like well, there are a couple of bumps that I had with my best friend who I lived with. That was like roommate problems. And it was sad because that actually, we lived together during college. And then we also lived together in San Francisco a few years after that. We had like a few years in between where we lived with other people. And then we came back together. And like like that lifestyle, being in, in the same <laughs> quarters as somebody and having to deal with somebody's like messiness and their forgetfulness, all me, sidebar. Um, <laughs> And then dealing with their drama every day and dealing with like, you know, how they handle problems. Like it, it roommates are a different kind of friend, but that actually made us almost break up twice mm. just because we were shouldering a lot. And that was, I think it just kind of colors like all ex, all relationships of like communicating what expectations there are and what boundaries are and what is okay and what's not okay. Because we grew up best friends since fourth grade. So I felt like our implied idea of friendship in our head is that, we're going to be there for each other no matter what, you know, a very like Disney movie kind of thing, like through thick and thin, no matter what, like I got your back. Even if you're toxic, even if you're like mentally and emotionally pushing boundaries and like making me deal with too much of your shit. And I can't handle all of this on top of my own life, but you're going to make me feel, I'm going to feel bad about like not being there for you when it's like, you don't feel it reciprocated back the same way. We don't know each other's love languages. Like we had to go through those bumps. So that's it was really interesting dealing with that with with my best friend and even that label like i'm still i'm still like unpacking right now yeah how do you I, call people like your best friend there's actually i listen to a podcast because that's how we get all of our information these days and it was a <laughs> podcast about like friendships and stuff and the they mentioned that these two friends had had to do friend counseling and so they 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 yeah, they did something similar to the way that, that married couples do it, just because they really cared about their relationship. And there was some stuff that they both weren't communicating. And the, mm. the interme- intermediary was able to help them figure that out. So there is, there is friendship That's counseling. That's dope. Yeah. That is so 2020. That is yeah, so yeah. like yeah, our, is, right? our generation. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I respect that, and that that shows a lot of uh, care. It does, yeah. Like, I, how many people would? I think it takes it to another level. I think that for the vast majority of us, it really it's easier said than done. But it really just comes down to communication, and that if you think mm-hmm. about just your human nature, human tendency, like I couldn't live with any of my really good friends. Maybe I could do it for a year, but. Beyond that, I think it's better to live with people that you're not really, really like this friendship is going to matter for a really long time because stuff will come up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually we're the human nature of, of it all. You're going to eventually get annoyed. And if somebody doesn't take it the right way, then that will impact it. Yeah. Well, it comes back to that term of boundaries. That's like a still ironically like a new framework of my life. I feel like I I inherently had some boundaries, but it wasn't like a conscious thing. 
Like I'm really implementing this this whole concept of boundaries in general the last few years of my life, mm. I feel like. And it still feels awkward, which is why I want to talk about it out loud because hopefully if we're able to impart something to like our peers and to a younger generation is like how to health like in a healthy way, navigate that because I definitely, and it's fine. I don't resent that. Like it is what it is. I'm not like crying about it, but I think it would have been helpful if I had established boundaries <laughs> early on. Yeah. I but, had none. But, but sometimes people just don't know, or you can, you can give them all the advice that they need, but they're not going to do that until they've internalized it or they, they meet that challenge at the right moment in their life. <clears throat> So unless you want unless you want to be their direct mentor for the rest of their life and really and and be their their mom or dad to make sure that they're doing the things that you want them to do, you can only hope for the best and hope that they they make the right choices. But Dan, you know me. You know my tendency is to like be mommy on people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So this is. I also want to call this out because actually, Christine Chen and I talked about this in our Mean Girls episode that. I'll say for my, in, in a friendship, I, I don't think I ever talked about this particular example. I'm not going to name anybody's names because it doesn't matter. But like in my twenties, I was involved in like girl drama because there was like, this would take way too long to explain. Basically I was dating somebody and I basically adopted that friend group because of this boyfriend. I really, really became embedded in this circle of friends that to this day, they're really tight and I freaking love them. And to be honest, even when that relationship was like already on its way out, I, I think I stuck around dating Uh him because I wanted to kick it. I didn't want to lose that group. You know, like it was, it was literally like friends. Like I felt like we had our posse and they are still living that, you know, they, that is their, their crew, um, since college. And they're going to, you know, go to Tahoe and to the beach every year with all their children until the day they die. And it's beautiful. And I was like, so romanticizing that. And I'm like, and I genuinely love them there. We had a lot of fun together. I didn't even want to let go of this, this relationship that I wasn't that into, to be honest. Like it was already just not very fulfilling, but again, side perks. Right. And one of my girlfriends, like from outside this friend group kind of popped in and started getting interested in one of the dudes in this friend group. So there's all sorts of ways that this like very specific equilibrium of social connections gets disrupted. (laughs) And she, it like drama ensued because you know, like people, we're in our 20s. We're all stupid, right? And we don't know how to articulate our feelings. We don't know how to be like upfront. And we're all just like flirting with each other and not and being sneaky about things and not being clear. And it really kind of effed with me because I felt responsible because she's my girlfriend mm. and that I had invited her into this group dynamic. And there's all this stuff happening with her and this one dude. And there was another girl in the group that was not happy about it. I felt responsible and I'm not saying that that's right. I do think that like at the end of the day, they're grown adults, you know, technically they're grown adults and it was none of my business, but I also get like socially speaking, why I felt like it was my responsibility or like why it affected me. And I felt really like weird and protected. So there's all kinds of dynamics like that where like it did end in like a bad moment. I'm mm-hmm. still friends with that girl, but we we had a tough moment at that time because I was I'm saying this out loud because I know that this is still happening all over the place and I may may happen again in my life hopefully not because I'm wiser and don't even enter that kind of dynamic again. But 
Yeah, it got really messy and I basically was venting to the wrong people. I was really bothered by it. I was judgmental about certain things. Mm -hmm. And instead of talking directly to her and being like, hey, so-and-so, can we talk? Like, I think there's a lot of like messiness that's happening. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. Obviously, that's like the mature grown version of this conversation. Instead, I talked to a mutual friend where I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, why is she acting like this? I feel so weird. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't think it's right. Like having all these thoughts and opinions to a third party, which she of course caught wind of. And then like the drama ensued, right? Then it unraveled. So I had to get my ass handed to me because I had to get called out. And she's like, why are you, you know, why are you talking shit? And I was like, that wasn't my intention. I just know what the hell to do. I don't know how to talk to you about this is weird. Um, so I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. That might be something that's more commonly, you know, affecting the girl side. Again, we're talking specific, like, gender dynamic, gender norms that that don't apply anymore. But at that time, it felt very, like, catty. Um, and I definitely handled it in a very passive-aggressive way. That's the best way to put it. It was very passive-aggressive and immature. I think, obviously, if you... In hindsight, it's 2020. It would have been good if I just talked to her directly and been like, yo, this is hella weird. I don't know what to do. I'm really uncomfortable. Um, but like we all do what we can and then we have to learn. So that those are the kind of situations that got me into sticky situations that honestly made me reevaluate like, okay, who's really my friend? Who mm-hmm. should I apply my loyalty to? Who am I protecting? Who am I defending? It all gets like murky, but like at the end of the day, you have to choose those relationships. And yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what the key takeaway is. The main takeaway is like it would have been really wise to just directly confront her and not have gone to a third party. Yeah, I, I think that there <clears throat> I haven't personally been through something like that. Mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, but I understand that those situations do happen. And so and I, I empathize. And I also think that there's probably a ton of people that are listening and that are out there that are maybe even going through something like that similarly right now, or they've been through it when they were in high school or college or, or when they were in their twenties as well. So yeah, I, I, I can totally see something like that happening for me. What's kind of worked out and, and also pointing out that it's connected to that personality trait. Like when I was younger, I purposely only like spent so much time with people so they wouldn't get, get annoyed with me or, or whatnot. I, I'm a chameleon when it comes to, relationships uh meaning that like or no not a chameleon sorry that's the wrong term i am not a chameleon i'm I'm not fake i'm not like that that's not what i mean um i am a i'm like a sponge and meaning that like sponge i understand my personality and i'm hyper self-aware of myself as well as my surroundings as well as what people could possibly infer from what it is that i'm talking about or how I'm uh-huh. coming across. And I've intentionally make sure that like, I, I pick, I pick my battles very specifically. And if something's not worth me getting into a potential fight about, because I understand human dynamics, then I avoid that situation. It's not worth it for me to, mm. to have to like get into whatever that is. And then it, it's especially as important as I get older when I think about like, oh, uh, I'll, I'll just use like money's always a tricky thing with a friend. Like that's always becomes like a weird mm. thing if you like, oh, you owe me Venmo money or like if whatever the thing is for, for me, <laughs> yeah. I, I never like I, 
I try to make sure that's the, the last thing that people need to think about. Like if I bring something to a, a picnic or an event, uh, I don't, I don't purposely bring up, Oh, you got it. Like, Oh, I, I'd like to get reimbursed for what it is. that I, brought. I just like, I just bring it. And then I let them figure out if they want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not being taken advantage of. I'm not trying to say that, but I understand my, mm-hmm. my, my dynamic and I, and I'm very acutely aware of other people's personalities and I would rather mm-hmm. it like, it just, it like, I, I'm happy with, with what's currently going on with, with friends that I've had or currently have. Uh, so I, I'm kind and then I've also got a very like tempered personality. Not like, I don't get mad. Like, I don't like, I don't care. <laughs> it's, and so for some people, although I understand that they can get mad about like messiness or, or certain things not happening, the way that I address that is like, I kind, I kind of don't really care. And I think that sometimes, though, that I can understand me not caring can also come across as being rude to the people that I'm uh, I'm friends with because they would expect me to bring up stuff that's bothering me more or to be maybe feeling more fiery about stuff. Because if I'm, if I'm not, then it shows that I'm not really caring. You know what I mean? So there's also a balance right. of, of having to to make sure that like it shows that I'm caring enough, but not caring that much. So I, I balance that type that that tightrope a lot and which sounds like a lot of work because that's like a lot of stuff to have to be <laughs> mentally thinking about when you should just be like oh just enjoy your friendships what are you doing you, you psychopath but for for me <laughs> uh, but for me i get it it's fine like i just i deal with it and i think it, and i wouldn't say that it's actually worked out for the better uh as i look at other i agree yeah so i think it's it's been fine I mean, it's it's great that you have been able to internalize and be aware and have consciousness about these things, because I think <laughs> I mean, it, it honestly like it, it can feel to us very like, oh, my God, we sound like crazy people. But these are things that I think most people I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm pretty sure most people feel and think these things at some point in a significant way. Relationships do matter a lot. And whether it's one-sided or mutual and that you're mutual until it's not mutual and you hit a bump, like we're all trying to figure out how to maintain a level of connection with people, how to have safety and security, how to feel like we're not alone and not isolated, but also have our space. There, we're, we're walking many, many different ropes right and it's funny that you say the tightrope thing because that's a very like um that feels like such a stressful and anxious balance because my brother who's ever the poet like my brother he's one of my best friends that I fight with a lot but we're family so that's a different like layer um he told me one time that he hopes that me finding balance in my life is the kind of balance of like a marble finding the center at the bottom of a bowl like that kind of balance versus a tightrope walker where like if you fall or flinch one inch too much in the other direction that you're going to fall and die. Yeah. And I was like, that's a very beautiful poetic way to put it. And it's very characteristic of me because I feel like I've always been like more the tightrope kind of person where I'm like, I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. And because that's been like this fear-based uh, way of operating, yeah, I am hypersensitive. And I think you and I have very similar brains in terms of like being really aware and being sensitive and ironically in being like that kind of like I think it's like an endearing neurotic <laughs> I'm just gonna say it um because I've learned to accept that about myself I am like I'm I can definitely be an overthinker it's it's lends itself to being like sensitive and being considerate and aware but on this side it's like 
you're going to displease somebody at some point and you're just going to have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. So it's, I think that's the part that we're okay with now as adults, but we've had to learn that through different relationships. And I just like saying all this because I really feel you, Dan. I, to this day, am learning how to like quiet those voices and genuinely learning how to care in a healthy manner. Because I do think it like I've gone into obsessive territory in the past. I've gone into like super insecure territory where I just like judge myself or downplay myself or get so self-protective that I kind of sabotage relationships. And it's tough because being socially aware and having like a high EQ is really helpful. But then it's like you can go to the other side of the extreme where it's like you're so aware that like you're so emotionally sensitive that suddenly you're not flowing, right? You're not like relaxed. Like you said, you're not just like enjoying friendships. You're like overanalyzing, over critiquing them, trying to like calibrate. Like, are we cool? Do you like me? Is it good? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, are we on the same page? Totally. No, it's, def- it's definitely an equilibrium. Yeah. But I love how you put it. I think I have a lot to chew on just from like how you articulated that. And who knew that we were going to go down this rabbit hole? I really like this rabbit <laughs> hole. This is a really important topic. What is, is the episode going to be titled Adult Friendships? Maybe like you can, I mean, you're the, you're the, you're the writer and musician. Well, we're both writers, but in a different medium, but you're, you're the lyricist. How should we (laughs) label this? I don't know what plays well on on podcasts. (laughs) What, 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 what helps like, what helps with the SEO? I don't know. I don't know. Definitely. I mean, friends and friends, we we can, we can have a strategy session after, Um, but (laughs) give me your best shot. I'm like, maybe the title should be like, are we even friends? <laughs> or, yeah, I have no idea. But I did want to like poke at you because we started an interesting conversation. We kicked it um, about <coughs> the dating scene too. So yeah. if you're down, I want to like talk about that because that was like at the tail end and we had to like, I had to bounce. But how's that been going for you? Like in, as we we're segueing out of the friendship zone, out of the friend zone and uh, going into like this strange reality of distributing our energy and our attention. <laughs> How's that going? Oh, uh, you know, so dope. Kicking it with my lady right now. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, that's why I'm on a podcast with you. Exactly. Talking <laughs> for like over an hour with, with your lady. Yeah, not, not talking to um, them. You know, it's a weird time. That's the, the number one thing that everybody's talking about. It's not an ideal time for being able to meet people and just like how mm-hmm. friendships are going. You have to be extra communicative and you definitely have to think extra hard about the types of people that you want to spend your energy on meeting up with and being careful about even even recommending like meeting up or uh, setting up a virtual date or doing whatever the those things are. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a it's it's a really really strange time and i can only think that the positive that's going to come out of this is because <clears throat> there will be positives people will adapt and i think certain things will happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise so i do think that potentially doing a, a first date virtually versus meeting up in person i could see that becoming an ongoing thing from the mm-hmm. from both sides i could see it being a, a way of being able to make sure the person you're talking to is actually the person you're talking to. So that's helpful. And then secondly, being mm-hmm. able to establish some kind of a connection. So 
uh, that way when you meet in person, it's, it's like extra special. And uh, you know for sure that you've got like some kind of connection uh, versus just meeting up in person yeah. and it just being like a, a crapshoot on whether or not you're going to be able to connect. So I think that's positive. And then it's definitely yeah. a lot cheaper for hopefully both sides. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so those, those are like some of the positives that I've, I've found so far. That is, I mean, that, that's a very good way to put it because I think whether that's in the form of time or like emotional energy or whatever, again, we're being careful about distribution because like I don't have that much to spare right now. Like I have so many, <laughs> so many F's to give and uh, those are allocated towards surviving, making sure I can eat and pay for my, the roof over my head and feed myself and be there for friends and family. Again, the, the top tier people. It's like if you can, if you can compete with crash landing on you and tear me away from that. Okay. Yeah, we can have, we can, we can talk. Yeah. <laughs> Go, going back to where I'm getting my information podcasts, one of my favorite dating podcasts mm-hmm. always brings up that relationships now are a constant battle between your couch and actually being with another human being. If your couch is looking really mm-hmm. enticing and you just want to be laying down, then that other person kind of gets the, 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 the uh, gets the, the raw end of the stick. Uh, and I've, I've definitely done that before. I've, I've definitely, sometimes I've been like really tired and, I'm, and I've, I've canceled dates cause I'm like, I just don't feel like going out or I, I don't feel like doing this virtual. Right. Day. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, it takes a lot out of you and like, you know, wait, so have you, you've been doing the virtual dating? I have, I've done maybe like three or four. Nice. Again, obviously I've they, gone they, on virtual dates and I've made out. friends <laughs> and you made friends. Good. Oh. I mean, you're not engaged right now, Dan. I thought that like <laughs> that was like the next thing yeah. is the Zoom wedding. <laughs> Wait, how did you make friends? Where's my invite? Um, well, it's again, there's like different barriers because there is a good I think I'm a believer that like you can establish a connection through through text and chatting, right? Like on a on a very like low stakes level, you can tell if somebody's like interesting, if you can carry a conversation and chat. Um that's like a very, you know, low barrier of entry, but like you still have to pass it. And I've had some like, you know, in my general thing, maybe it's also because I'm an extrovert, right? Like I've been a massive extrovert, extrovert, but I'm becoming a lot more introverted. I'm usually game to like meet people. Like I'm very curious about people. So I'm not going to like hold it against them. But then also having been on dating apps on and off for so many freaking years, like it does take more than just like a hi. Or it depends on my mood. Sometimes hi is just enough if like you're really attractive and you have a good profile. Like, yeah, maybe like I'll just say hi back. Who knows? It's all like really where where is is Venus in rising right now? I don't know. Um, are the planets aligned? <laughs> Who knows what makes what work, right? But there's just so many factors at play that that like say, oh yeah, chatting us is, with this person right now is actually really pleasant. And then that going to like, hey, we should like, I really li- liked it when people would take the initiative and I can be really old fashioned that way and be like, Hey, especially on like something like Bumble. If I start the conversation and they're like, Hey, do you want to like have a video chat or something? I appreciate when I'm not the only one that is initiating. Yeah, And that's a very like, 
traditional or outdated to some people it's very outdated but I really believe in like feminine and masculine energy it's not even about gender it's just about those energies and um it's nice to have somebody pursue you right and so I don't want to be doing all the heavy lifting so when we do like a zoom thing it's already kind of like you're you're investing more and so you're like building a connection and there's more intrigue there's tension like ooh, what do they like like what does their voice sound like da 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 and so like that's all been fun and good but then it easily just fizzles out. They easily disappear. It easily just like, again, people ghost. And I don't know, at this point, I don't really take it up personally just because I was like, okay, well, COVID. <laughs> it's, or Exactly. <clears throat> COVID's added an additional level of seven, eight layers on top of the, the, the already fraught dating situation. Right. But, but it, I've had guys come back around. Have you have you met up in person? Then I'm yet? like with anybody. Uh, one I did go on a social distance like hangout, but then that was like we're like we're friends, you know. It wasn't like a date. Hmm. Did you so, guys establish that ahead of time that it wasn't going to be a date? No, but that was the vibe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at communicating. Yeah. But see, this is where it's tricky. Yeah, and I, that would have been good. It would have been good to establish that. And I, I don't, but I still think even after that, there's no implication that we're like dating. It's just, it's become like a nice back and forth of friendship because this was like first started chatting like really on, early on during the quarantine era. Um, and it was just nice to have someone to talk to. And then just like, honestly, for like over a month or maybe no contact, so I'm just like, if you're expecting this to be a date after this much non-talking and not connecting, yeah, we get along, but like, you're out of your mind. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much implied there that's not <laughs> directly com- communicated. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then I also think that with all of this that's going on, uh, kind of in the same way that like no new friends, that... Uh, I already know what I think I'm going to be attracted to. I think that I know it's going to work. I, I can already feel it pretty quickly if I think that it's not going to be something that's going to potentially move on. I agree that there's a level to it where you should allow at least like two or three times to like really get to know somebody because the first time is always mm-hmm. <clears throat> never the, the best time to get to know them. But right. Um, I think that I'm pretty good at at kind of picking up on signals or kind of feeling it out. And so... Uh, that's been bad because it hasn't really led to anything. I haven't found anybody that's, that's, I I think been on that level that I'm looking for, but I guess it's been good just because Mm. I don't want to waste their time. And you don't want to waste your time, Dan. True. Yes. Your time is precious too. That's good. It's good that you're considerate of like not wanting to waste their time. I think that's very kind of you. And you shouldn't waste, I would not want you to waste your time and expend your energy and emotions on somebody that, you already know deep down is like not about, you know, you're not about it. That's, that sucks. But on the flip side, it can get, it's just, again, it's exhausting because you're putting yourself out there and a lot of people are putting themselves out there to connect and to build something and like work towards something really fulfilling. And it, it is disappointing to like kind of hit a wall over and over again. Yeah. I've definitely hit that wall so many times <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what, you know what? Till 2022 or whenever the hell we're able to see people in a normal fashion. I'll just watch Crash Landing on you over and over again. There you go. <laughs> and 
Mary Hyunbin. <laughs> I, I am kind of happy that just speaking of online dating in general, that uh-huh. I'm kind of happy that we got to experience it in our lifetime because the kids that are growing up now, that's the only way they're going to meet. They're going to meet only using online dating platforms. They're barely going to want to be able to, I think, meet somebody at a bar or do it the way that we used to think about doing it. I think that they're going to be so heavily reliant on that. And when the online dating first started, it was like really awkward. So not we obviously we had to go through regular dating before this, too. And I think that we've really gotten to get the best of both worlds for this generation of dating. And so I'm actually excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at least excited that I got to do it. Hopefully this isn't going to last forever, but I'm, I'm kind of happy that we got it. When we got <laughs> it. And that to a certain extent that uh, it, it's been something that we've been able to experience. Cause I do talk to some of my, my friends that are, that have kids or that are in long-term relationships and uh, they've never been able to do it. <laughs> and I think, that, right. yeah, I think it's kind of, it's, it is kind of fun. You know what I mean? It is fun. Like, that's why I think it's so funny. It's interesting. You know, count your blessings. It, it is. It definitely is great stories, experiences. And, you know, when it first came around, I, you know, we're of that generation. It, when it first came around, I was like, that's so weird. That's so creepy. Like, oh, that's scary. Or like, how do you know they're not crazy? Or that's just a strange way to meet somebody. Like, I just always like crushed on someone in my immediate vicinity, like at school or work or whatever. And I'm like a primary source of entertainment for a lot of my <laughs> married friends because they're like, yep, still married to him. So who are you going out with? <laughs> they're like, send me screenshots. I want to critique them. I need to see their profile like because they don't do it. Right. And I've had friends of mine like hop on my profile and swipe for me. And it, I'll, they make terrible choices because they're they're living vicariously. And that's not uh, the best uh judge of anything when they're just like ooh ooh cute 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 um especially when our tastes are so different <laughs> but i agree with you and i am curious though because i do think that like culturally things can like sw- swing one from one extreme to another and i do i do wonder like how much younger kids who who have grown up with it so like deeply part of their life and normalized that they're going to reject it too because they're like they they already kind of see its flaws and its follies like you know, you always just want to be counterculture yeah. when you're young. You're just like I, I. I kind of hope that they they do take it to be counterculture and want to adapt and try to meet people more in person. That would actually, I would see that being a really positive thing because I think that it's not healthy yeah. for people to be so reliant on technology. I, I, I don't right. think that we've evolved that it's something that we naturally. This isn't the natural way to meet somebody. Uh, I'm all exactly for, and I'm all for progress, but I think that to a certain extent, we can say that that's enough. Like this is probably as far as we should go before it just turns into nobody ever meets. And it's just like a, a difficult thing. But I, I think also I say that because we haven't internalized it the same way that these kids have. So, again, hopefully because they've internalized it in a different way that they'll something positive will, will happen out of it. Right. I you know, I'm not going to say I just because I spoke to a few Zoomers about this, that this means everything for everyone. I'm not going to like paint a whole generation based on a few conversations. But I have heard directly from younger, darling, wonderful, brilliant friends of mine that I, I get to know through the collab world and through the podcast world and the creative world. You know, there is they I've heard from more than one Zoomer that they're like, you know, it's 
there's a lot of just like lonely kids out there. They're just so, we're the most, it's that irony of like, they're the most hyper connected, you know, connected quote unquote, internet wise and accessible, I think is a better word. Like they have access to so many different types of people and experiences and perspectives. And in conjunction with that, there's this like total loneliness and isolation, right? Um, Cause I was, I was just talking with this like, younger person about like, well, what can I do to be a good big sister? Like, what can I talk about on my Instagram or my podcast or whatever? I just, I was asking for her feedback and she's just like, I want to hear more about how to connect with people. And I was like, that genuinely concerns me slash breaks my heart, but Hey, like, yeah, I'm here for it. Which is why I think that hopefully this conversation in and of itself was helpful. And I don't know. Maybe it's just part of being young, but maybe it is a signature thing of this generation that there is potential for there to be more isolation and more loneliness because you're kind of just trapped inside yourself and you're just like flooded with all this, again, stimuli and all these opportunities and connections with people that are really, I think the downside of the internet is like, it's a projected version of yourself. You don't know if that's really you. It's the version that I'm allowing you to see of me, right? And there's no vulnerability there. And I think that's a key part of connection. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I completely agree. That That's why I don't know what the future is going to look like, but I do think that there's very, there's very much something substantial there that we need to be worried about. And mm-hmm. which is why, again, I'm happy that we got the tail end of the, the online dating. Yeah, no, I'm happy. Well, okay. To wrap this up in a, in a kind of like beautiful wrap up way, uh, words are hard right now. Um, Dan, how do you feel like if you're advising your younger self, like how to best connect with somebody, whether that's, you know, friendship or romantic, how do you feel like you would, you know, encourage or advise them to create a meaningful connection with someone? Oh man, I don't know. I I know I should be, (laughs) I should have loads of things to say. I don't know, man. I think it's it, it comes down to just the individual and what they honestly mm-hmm. and who it is that they're trying to connect with. But just being honest with them and yourself mm-hmm. and really, I think, trying to build a relationship around real things and not building a relationship around. I can tell you how not to build a relationship. So the opposite That's of that. Good. Yeah, the opposite of that is building a relationship around something that's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, Like vain, uh, I'm I'm searching for a word here. Like if you're only- Superficial? Like if your only connection to a group of people is that you like to go out and drink and your only relationship Mm. is, is being able to get drunk with them, that's not a good relationship. And you're not building anything with that person. Mm. If your only relationship with that person is centered around something that isn't very personal, then that's not the right way to build a relationship. So you might have drinking buddies, but that's all they're going to be. And that's That's a shallow relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that it, it can build, be, build it around something, real. you know, fun. Right. I like that. That's, that's very wise. I'm sitting here reevaluating. Um, like if, if your only rela- for- if your only relationship with somebody is 
because they can get you more TikTok followers, then that's not a real relationship follower. <laughs> well, then, no, I'm kidding. I think, and that's, well, we're in in the industry in LA. So there's a lot of uh, transactional stuff that's happening here constantly. Transactional. And that's, that creates yeah. a lot of awareness. Yeah, very transactional and very like, what can I get out of you kind of thing. Um, I think, and on that note, I'd say for me, if I was advising my younger self is that I think it's temper your expectations that like, it takes time. I would, I I would advise my younger self that it takes time to build a true connection. So if it doesn't happen right out of the gate, that doesn't mean like you're dead on arrival. You know, you you, you could, you could become closer with somebody and it's just a matter of not just time, but like what you're willing to give and not necessarily what you're trying to get. So one of the best advice that I heard when I was feeling particularly down about certain friendships was like the best way to have friends is to be one, right? Um, So it's not like kind of coming from a place of like lack or like I don't have friends and I just need somebody to help me feel better about myself and my life. It's like, no, like who do I really like and respect and who can I kind of symbiotically contribute something positive to? Like who can I give encouragement to um, or support and also do it in a way that you're not expecting anything back. It's like, again, it's, it's, it can be a, it can be a juggling act, but I think it's like being mindful that nobody owes you anything, but also if you put yourself out there, there's a chance that they can reciprocate. So it's like, don't expect the entire universe, but also be willing to put yourself out there. And if it doesn't work out that first time, maybe give it another shot or like at a certain point, just like cut your losses and say, Hey, maybe this wasn't like the person that I'm going to be super duper close with. And then kind of figure out other people you can connect with. Exactly. Sounds so generic. No. Sometimes the most generic advice is the the most real advice. It it wouldn't be generic for a reason. It's universally applicable. (laughs) I think we covered a lot of good ground, Dan. I did too. I think that without without knowing what the specific topic was going to be, I think that we... (laughs) We're very on topic for a non-topical conversation. Because <laughs> it's not like we went from so talking. So beautifully put. Because, because we didn't talk about friends and then we didn't start talking about balloons and then we didn't start talking about movies. It's not like we <laughs> hopped around from topic to topic. We, we, we basically stayed on relationships and adult friendships. Yes. So I'll be I'll be pinging you shortly for for my title. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> but I Dan, I'm really I'm glad that I'll just put this because I want this recorded and and time capsuled for all of my life because that's what podcasts are to me. Um, I'm really glad that we've been friends and that we've deepened our friendship because I know that that doesn't always happen, right? And I really appreciate that, like, even though we only talk once a year, that it's always been good. And there's always like that grace that we give each other. Like, yeah, I haven't talked to you in a year and a half, but it's not like you're you're holding that against me. And I appreciate that. We understand like we're both busy, but we still care. So I'm very happy to be your tier three friend. I'm honored. And yeah, like I'm always I'm here for you, man. You know, I I appreciate you. No, I really appreciate that, too. And I will. We we did have actually two years ago when we had that one conversation, the the last conversation before before this one, you did approach uh-huh. me and we did actually have a a conversation where you addressed some concerns that you I think you had with me or um, certain things and we were, oh. <laughs> yeah and we were able to talk them through and I actually really appreciated you bringing that up 
And I actually really enjoyed mm. having to discuss my background on the topic and to have to figure that out with you. Yeah. And I appreciate that after we had that conversation that we, it actually made me feel better friends with you. And that, yeah, we, it's not like after the conversation, you were like, well, I'm done with Dan. We were able to figure it out. So actually, that was a very mature conversation that we had. So good, good for us. It was. Yeah, no, yay us. I, I agree. Oh, I'm so, yeah. I mean, I remember that. I didn't, I didn't know how much we wanted to like dive into that. Um, if you're okay, I mean, uh, basically. No, we, we, we shouldn't dive into it, but we'll, we just, we'll, we'll just say. That we, 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 we figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad. And that, that meant a lot to me too, which is why, like, I was like, when you're like, Hey, let's catch up during COVID. I was like, yes, totally down. Um, it's funny how things that things that maybe might scare somebody like, Oh, I have to confront or like talk through something difficult again, like for, for you and me, it actually solidified our friendship further. So, um, it's just kind of reflecting on that for anybody who's listening, you never know. And I think it's an investment of self. So if it means something to you, go for it. Take take that risk. And it, it can pay back greatly because it can deepen a relationship, it can deepen a friendship. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Well, Dan, I mean, you and I are like, especially on our last hangout, there's a lot of stuff coming up ahead of us. I think we have some really cool, despite everything that's happening, you know, we're going to hold it down for ourselves, for the for the community to whatever degree we can and uh, want to do that um, because it's been quite a ride like to whatever degree we've been representing the Asian American community I don't want I don't ever want to like pose it like we are the represent it's like no a lot of people are representing but you and I have been and we care a lot about um, our creative friends we create about we care about stories and music and art and our careers and the things we want to create so there's a lot ahead of us. So I'm just excited. And just, you know, putting this again on air to be recorded. This is the first of many conversations. I'm really excited for everything that's coming up ahead of you because I know things that people don't know. Um, well, no, I want to no, do another podcast when stuff. I'm working on a new album. So when I put out the album. Okay, fine. You can say. <laughs> it, yeah, that's not, that's not a secret. Like, I'm working on some more music. So once that comes out, I would like to do another podcast to talk about another topic. Yes, we'll have a lot more. Where can people follow you and where can they be on standby for when you announce your new music? Dan, a.k.a. Dan. D-A-N, a.k.a. D-A-N. Dan, a.k.a. Dan. Forever <laughs> and always. Sidebar, I want to know, because this is funny. Just like I, when your documentary came out about your journey, I have to plug it because we went through this whole episode without even talking about it. But Dan is an incredible human. I already said this in the intro. Um, he's an incredible human being, a, a fantastic artist, and he's just lived quite a life. And if anybody's curious about his journey as an adoptee from Korea and um, reuniting with his family, just this incredibly moving, powerful experience in this documentary, docu-series, right? Docu-series is what uh, called. Yes, yeah. Um, Go check it out. Dan, where can they find your story? Dan, a.k.a. Dan. <laughs> just, search, just search that on YouTube. Adoptee stuff. Yeah, it's really, really great. And so I just want to say, like, it was an honor. I think that's where we, like, connected more was, like, I hosted the red carpet situation at that event, at the premiere, which was, like, so random. Um, but it was really cool. It was an honor then. 
And it's an honor to know him now. So go check out his stuff. And yeah, be sure to keep up. There's a lot more ahead. And this was our conversation on are we even friends or adult friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I like are we even Thank friends. Thank you, Dan. For are, are we even friends should be the title. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good title. Are we, are we, are we sinking on that? Okay, cool. All right. Well, Dan, I, I love you so much and I'm so happy that we got to catch up and come back again soon to talk about your music. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All with Dan Matthews talking about friendship. Hope you all got something really great out of that. And please go follow Dan, support his work, um, find out what he's about because he has a lot of really great stories and experiences and music to share with all of you. So go check out his stuff. Thank you so much to Marvin Yue, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Per Uzuhan for using the song Uzu Trap for the intro and outro. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers. And thank you so much to my Patreon patrons. Um, I freaking love you guys. I'm so grateful for you helping me. Thank you to everybody who came out to my first uh, Twitch live stream. That was wild. <laughs> I, I feel like I checked a really important box off and I really liked it and I would definitely like to do more. So if you'd like to follow, you can go to Twitch. I think it's TV and um, follow me at Minjeezy. You can follow my Instagram so that you can get updates because I'm doing that now. It's a thing. Thank you to Juliana. Um, you can go to at First of All Pod. My personal page is at Minjeezy. And you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. Say hi. Ask me questions. What have you? Let me know. Let me know what's good, what you think. And uh, yeah, keep posted. There's more fun stuff hopefully coming your way. I'm really tired right now. I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, but I'm going to go re-energize myself and center myself and then probably put it in another podcast. But until then, I hope you take care of yourselves and share this episode. If you enjoyed it with a friend, subscribe, give a five-star review. If you don't want to, it's totally fine. I still love you. We're all just doing our best, you know? But I'll talk to you guys later. Take care. Bye. But if you're pushing me over the edge, my CD's knuckles do some crouching tiger hidden dragon. Get your feeling. Hey, Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 